the Philippines, 17 regions and 81 provinces spread across 7,641 islands, each one a home to people, places, and potential. The Philippines, a member of ASEAN, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, and Bimpiaga, the Brunei Darussalam, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, East ASEAN Growth Area. There's definitely more to the Philippines than just the national capital region. Find out more about what the rest of the regions that comprise our archipelago and the regional groupings that our country is part of have to offer to us and to the world on Regional Roundup. Regional Roundup with Bing Kimpo. A closer look at the regions in and around us. A wider perspective of our islands and our part of the world. Welcome back to Regional Roundup. My name is Bing Kimpo. In this mini-series, we are focusing on Philippine tropical fibers. In episode 1, we began with an overview of the Philippine Textile Research Institute and got introduced to some Philippine tropical fibers. In episode 2, we found out which of our regions produce these fibers, what these fibers are used for, and what we're doing to take advantage of their availability here in our country. In this episode 3, we'll discuss the demand for our Philippine tropical fibers. Again, our guide throughout this discussion is Celia Ilumba. She's the director of the Department of Science and Technologies, Philippine Textile Research Institute. Is there a demand for these uh, fibers? The demand is on the, the fiber obviously is demanded of the yarn which is demanded of the fabric or the non-woven material that is going to be made of. That, that is where the demand really is. In fact, people come to us asking us, where can I buy the fabric? Where can I buy the yarn? We are a research and development industry. We're not factories. We're not manufacturers. So we are just filling in a supply chain gap by producing them in our innovation center for yarns and textiles. And this is why we developed or established the right picks. So there is a real demand. I mentioned that we have 1.8 million government employees. That 1.8 million government employees only 20 million meters. 20 million meters mean a humongous uh, sum. Um, it actually means that we need to have 71 RIPEX or seven commercial scale millers. The demand is there. When I say demand, that's a captive market. They, you know, that's a captive market, but obviously you want to give that captive market something that is marketable, something that is likable, something they will like. We can't sell something that they also won't use, right? So even if it's captive, they have to be provided with something that is well worth them. Something they're, that's they're, comfortable, yeah. comfortable and looks as, good. Yes, and we have to respect them as consumers because that's also you and me. So we have to have that's respect for, for our own people, our own persons. So... That's the demand. That market is there. And it's not just them. Uh, the, the global green textile community is, is huge. This is actually um, experienced by the weaving partners that we have in Miyagaw in Iloilo. They were invited to a selling exhibition in an ASEAN country some years back. But because they were using polyester, even if people were attracted to the materials that they produced, the fabrics that they had, nobody bought anything. Imagine three days in a foreign country with product. 
But because they found out that it was made of a synthetic material for something so natural and so tedious as handloom weaving, they sold zero. That's, so they understood the value of a natural material. And this is an ASEAN country. So we have one partner, the platform out of Iloilo is Panoblix. This is a marketing platform. Fantastic group of young entrepreneurs who have a, uh, a real um, penchant, a real tendency towards helping our handloom weaving, our um, a Philippine tropical fabric community. They're selling to Europe. They're selling to already different parts of the world uh, where they can see the demand. We have another partner who who is um, uh, also selling to different parts of, of the world. But you know, these are not formal, how do you say? They are not formally exported. There are a lot of their connections uh, in other countries. Others, they just simply do, what do they call them? They do pop-ups abroad. And they bring the product and say they sell them abroad. And there is a real market for it. Um, we know that there are other institutional ones who are interested because how do we know this? You know, we have had a lot of expressions of interest from social enterprises that are based in the other parts of the world, uh, even from Africa. Um, they are keen to capitalize on their own raw material. They would like to have this product because they're marketing it out of the United Kingdom, out of, out of London. They're marketing this out of America. Uh, they are not necessarily in the Philippines, they're abroad. And, and we know that it exists. It is uh, definitely in demand, mainly because people are also very much concerned about the idea or the question of sustainability, about climate change, about the um, you know, one planet uh, and all that. So, so to them, it's, it's not lip service, it's the real thing and it, it applies to you know, even the, the things that you wear, the shoes that you, you, know, you walk on yeah. and all that. What are the obstacles to us doing more, making more, and earning more from these natural fibers of ours? Your supply chain is not established. Our supply chain is not established. Even if, if we have a major company, manufacturing company, who has been in the Philippines for at least 30 years, he has expressed an interest to invest, capitalize on spinning equipment. Just so you appreciate that idea, a spinning facility of 10,000 spindles eight years ago was costed at 700 million pesos, right? He is willing to go into, in, into investing into new equipment. I understand that there's now a new breed of equipment that can, you know, that can um, spin uh, the quantity that we need uh, short of uh, the 10,000 spindles. The point is, where do you get your treated material and where do you get your extracted material, which I had mentioned earlier, literally is on the ground. We have to scale up the extraction. We have to scale up. And so you need to have new industries because in itself, it is an industry. That's why I was talking about core competence. Let the farmers do their farming. Let somebody pick up all of those produce and, and you know, have the science and the technology because in principle, it makes a lot of sense. But you need to apply the technology part of this. You can't wait for these materials to be a week old before you start, you start treating them. You will lose too much moisture. It will not have the same recovery rate. So it, it's important to actually understand how they should be processed. And this is where our technology actually lies. Um, 
we need to scale and we need industry to come on board. So that means investment in the regions. Uh, even if you say that we have them in different parts of the country, there are about three processors. When I say processors, they have only three big. Uh, it, it's, it's so sad because you only have three of a commercial scale that can spin, but two are not spinning the natural textile fibers because they need at least one ton a day. And so it goes back to your supply chain. Where is that one ton feedstock a day for them to even consider producing the PTF? This is one particular mill. The others are not quite there because it's, it's a captive market. There are so few that they really are not looking into this. So it requires a new breed, a different breed of capitalists, uh, of investors, uh, that we look at this from a developmental perspective, but certainly one that will make money. It has That's the first rule of sustainability. It has to be seen as a business proposition and not as a kawangawa. <laughs> it has to have a scale to it. It has to have repeatability. It has to have longevity um, if, if it were to be a business proposition. So that's where we are. We need to be able to pull forward um, the supply chain so that it can generate what we need to make it more rich for the people downstream. Everybody's downstream. The marketers are downstream. The sewers, the assemblers are downstream, but there's nobody upstream except what's on the ground. Let, let me put it this way then. So there is a demand because by law, we've got to be able to produce uh, government ware. Yes. So, so at least internally for us, there is a demand. Yes. And we can't, we can't, yes. we can't meet that. Not we, at we all. can't meet that. Not at all. And we're not even thinking about the the foreign demand yet. This is just yeah. locally. Yeah. Correct. And that's that's just one aspect of the local. Because don't forget, there are also a lot of other enterprises. Um, I mentioned creative definitions. That's one. That's the the Lakat Sustainable Footwear. There is. My son Matisse. My son Matisse is also in natural textile. Uh, there's woven. There is there's a number of enterprises who are really looking at sustainable development. By by that I mean um, they are really looking to promote more natural materials that are produced in the Philippines um, and that would have um, uh, that that regard for the processing and making sure that it conforms with circularity principles that whatever you you produce out of that becomes another input to another process and it's that circular framework. There are a number of, of uh, enterprises who are advocates of this idea. So it's not just government employees, it's a number of um, enterprises, but who do not have the source of supply of the raw material. They are also downstream. They are waiting for that other supplier. They're looking to PTRI to supply at this moment in time. I'd, I'd like to think a bit more optimistically, I suppose, and I, I'd say that, that what we have is a, is, a, is a happy problem, simply because, you know, at least we know that the raw material is there, uh, the end user demand is there, 
we really just have to make sure that getting from point A to point Z, that entire process requires money and it requires yeah. Well, yeah, and that's that's where yeah, that's, we have. That's to where go. we came on board. Uh, that's yeah, that's where we came on board with the Tela Pilipinas concept, with the model of Tela Pilipinas. And Tela is an acronym for Textiles Empowering Lives and You. And, and the whole goal is we're using textiles as a linchpin, just as it was used in 18th century England, where there was no industry. I mean, the beginnings of uh, in, in, in the 18th century, there was really you know no electricity, no machinery, but textiles became the linchpin of industrialization, in a sense. Uh, that was what was exported to the different parts of the world. And um, what we just don't want to duplicate is the unfair trade practices, the labor practices, the pollution that happened of air and water. And, and we have, in other words, we're in a very good place because we're starting from, from the ground up. So very, very small scale. And the goal of Tela Filipinas is to capitalize on what you find in abundance in a particular location. But you know what was the first, I, I consider this our Hansel and Gretel um, moment. Our first indicator of that crumb really are the handloom weavers. Where you have handloom weavers, they must have used a material in the past, which was not imported, which was not synthetic. But why did they weave? What were they using to weave? That was the first question. And so if you have a place where handloom weaving is robust, then that's the first sign or the first clue. They must have had not just the tradition, but a material which they use in the past. So what was that? If it's no longer there, can it still be there? Can we put it back? Can we do something about it? Um, and so the first elements of the, the Tela Filipinas is to really locate or identify where the weavers are, what the source of material is there, what is available. And this is why we were tracking the, the, the country stat reports of a PSA for the fibers that are there. Um, and for the fibers that we can use for spinning. Um, and, and the third is, we wanted to identify a, an academic partner because we feel that no matter what technology we have or how fantastic the equipment would be, if you have no resource complement, no people, no technicians, no technologists, no engineers, then you cannot propagate an industry. It will become at the end of the project, that's it. You fold because there's nobody there to continue. So it was important for us as part of our own sustainability model that we actually develop a local ecosystem that will make sure that the gains will be um, continued and propagated. It's it's interesting that that you you started off by saying that we had to well you had to look in the past amongst our. Uh, our indigenous cultural communities and say, okay, which ones among them have this heritage of weaving? So you say, okay, if they're weavers, if they've, if they've got that heritage, then the, 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 raw, the, the raw material must be in the area. So yeah, we thought it was logical. Yeah, uh, but, but you know, it, it, it fascinates me simply because a lot of times in, in our rush to move forward, we tend to forget that a lot of it is really about looking back into our past yes, as well. Yes, yes. And in, in finding, uh, you know, the, the secret of tomorrow probably lies in people we, that we think are backward. It's, it's in the traditions of our past. And, and you know, I, I wish that we'd probably spend a lot more time rediscovering ourselves because as you say, the secret's there. 
Yeah. Part of it, at least. It's, part of it. It's our ode to back to basics. We call it. I call it past forward. Yes, you're very right. That was episode three. Next episode, we'll continue our conversation with Director Celia Elumba of the Department of Science and Technology's Philippine Textile Research Institute. We'll get introduced to the Regional Yarn Production and Innovation Centers, or RIPIX. We'll also talk about blending Philippine tropical fibers with cotton, about how industry players can work with the Philippine Textile Research Institute, and about the road ahead for Philippine tropical fibers. My name is Bing, and this has been another episode of Regional Roundup.